Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Has concert etiquette just gotten worse? And Louis Capaldi takes a break from touring. You're listening to The The Biz Biz Tape. Tape. Welcome to the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcasts. I'm your host, Colin McKay. My lovely host, coast to coast, soon to be much farther north. Much farther coast. Yes, the coast of Russia. Just about. (laughs) I mean, you're technically not wrong. I can see Russia from here, Colin. (laughs) Yes, we are. Spoilers. uh, So I don't know why. Like, it's like spoiling a plot point, but uh, we are recording this episode early as Joe is traveling uh, for a shoot. Very north from here, um, but well, eventually he's going to be like coast to coast to coast to coast, and we'll be we'll we'll cover all our bases there. So yeah, just we're get really trying for to this episode really trying to three sixty the coast situation. We're just kind of going up and around <laughs> yeah, right. the corner and then yeah, coming. Joe down. from the uh, north uh, <laughs> from the boundary of Canada, the United States, not the coast you were thinking of. Yeah, um, we may or may. How not, is it up there? Boring. We may or may not skip Florida. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just have to decide once it comes. I, I gotta be I gotta be on. I gotta just like I gotta be real with y'all. Um, wh- We're not it, doing Florida. It's not. It's not. It's it's not them. It's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> um, anyway, welcome to a particularly unhinged episode of the Biz Tape. Uh, my story is a little wild. I don't know if we should start with me. I think or we I don't should even start with Joe. Has. We should start because I want to hear how unhinged your story is. Okay, well, um, welcome back to a returning segment of our show, which I didn't think was going to be a returning segment, which is stop throwing shit at artists on stage. Who, um, who would have thought? The last, <laughs> the last time we talked about this, um, we were talking about Kid Cudi. Remember that, Joe? I can't remember what yeah, he was Yeah, where you got was it? belted oh. in the face by like... Uh, yeah, water bottles yeah. and stuff. Um. You know, surprisingly, but also not surprisingly, it can get a lot worse than that of what gets thrown at you. So just buckle up for this. Um, I'll give you a couple 
which is kind of in the last, like, I wanted to say month. I think it's literally been the last like two weeks this has happened. We're in the middle of touring season. It makes sense. It gets crazy. But the stories are like so weird that like I was like, at first I was like, this isn't really a story. But there's so many of them that I'm like kind of like I want to talk about it because it's so strange. Mm-hmm. So let's start off. Um, Pink was a proud recipient, not really, of two very strange gifts at her show. Uh, at Hyde Park this month. Um, she had two different shows. And I'm going to start off with, in reverse order, the one she got second. Because it, it's kind of a lead-up to how bad the first one is, which is a wheel of brie cheese. Huh. <laughs> uh, just a whole you know, wheel of one? A whole they wheel. They tossed it onto uh, the stage. I. It, it's really weird. There's video of it. So it has like, to be a group effort. Right? Are we thinking? Are we talking? Somebody about- came into security with this brie wheel of cheese, <laughs> and they were like, "Whatever." Guess they're gonna eat it, you know? And then yeah, um, I guess that's what you do with cheese usually. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and it, it's weird. That guy came in with like fifty tomatoes. So I just thought he was gonna eat them. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, they came in with a wheel of brie cheese, and it's like a big wheel, like a pretty substantial, probably like like I get like. Probably across chest wise cheese, you know, is that how you measure cheese? Oh my god, um, I'm looking at this and it's giant. I, t- dude, it's insane. <laughs> um, which Joe, you keep up with that because it's gonna get worse, and I need you to see these visuals. Um, so yeah, that that one was somehow the least aggressive of the ones I'm talking about. Um, and was softly put like kind of tossed onto the stage. And Pink seemed kind of happy to receive it, which, to be honest, like, I guess she knows her cheeses. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, once we get to the first object, you'll see why she was pleasantly surprised. She took the cheese, and she, like, hugged the wheel of it, and she, like, even mouthed, like, I love you to the people who threw the cheese, which I was like, Pink, don't do this to yourself. You're going to get, like, next up is Gouda at the next event. You know what I mean? Like, they're just going to give you a charcuterie board of cheese wherever you go if you you know, enable this. But the reason why, which let's just go straight into this. Pink may have been happy to receive a wheel of brie cheese other than maybe being a cheese lover herself is because of the, the thing that she got before this cheese was thrown at her, which was like a concert before also at Hyde park. She got thrown on the stage. Someone's mother's ashes. No, (laughs) no, Not, no. I'm not just like literally human no. remains. <laughs> That's right. Thankfully, it wasn't like, you know, kind of like dispersed. It was in a Ziploc bag, but it kind of doesn't make it that much better. Um, so they like throw the Ziploc bag on the stage to which, you know, I, I don't know. Sadly, like Joe and I have both seen this in our lives is that human ashes have a very distinct look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like have you, they, they have a very distinct look and I'm sure pink has seen it as well. And so she stopped mid show because she sees the Ziploc bag and she literally goes, quote, this your mom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then she goes, I don't know how I feel about this, which is probably the fairest response (laughs) that you could give in that moment as someone was like, (sighs) I, uh, someone clearly going through some grief, right? 
decided, hey, my mother's going to meet pink tonight, um, <laughs> one way or the other. And, um, yeah, so th- that, that, that happened. And uh, what did Pink do? Uh, she hid the ashes behind a speaker and kind of just soldiered on with the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's the proper response. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know what happened with the ashes either, if there was, like, an effort to reunite them or whatever. Or like, I don't know. You know what I mean? They could be in a venue's trash can somewhere, right? Like, I, I got no clue on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can kind of see why she was hyped about the cheese um, <laughs> compared to what else. Literally, this is, like, I think it was show after show. Like, this is what happened. Um which is kind of my theory is that maybe the cheese was like, kind of like, we knew this happened to you. <laughs> I, it's such a weird story. Um, anyway, in a more serious note, continue on with, please do not throw stuff at people before pink, uh, which some people told me about, which they were like, you should talk about this is uh, baby Rexa. Um, I, Joe, I don't know if you heard about this. There was a pretty viral Instagram photo about it. Um, but baby Rexa had a phone thrown at her face oh my God. on stage and she's on stage. You can find video of it. You can also find video of the two pink incidents as well. Um, but you can find video of it and it gave her a serious black eye. Like it's kind of crazy. And uh, Joe, you can see it in my links. It's the, uh, when, uh, with all our sources are just, down below I'm, NBC. I'm watching it now. And oh man, Oh, that yeah. was an she MLB gets knocked to the ground. That was an MLB pitch to the face, dude. <laughs> she gets knocked to the ground. That's so bad. Like, and like she, yeah. And if you go look up a photo, she put it on her Instagram. She's got a really bad black eye from this, like super bad. And she gets knocked to the ground. Like it's so bad. And with according to you know what you would expect would happen. Um, we've already going into a criminal complaint against the person that threw the phone. So according to this criminal complaint, quote, an unnamed witness told police that he asked who threw the phone and the person who threw the phone, fo- allegedly threw the phone, raised his hand and said, I did, which I was like, okay, right. <laughs> guess this is your badge of courage. Uh, you know, again, this is alleged. They haven't been convicted yet, but you know, We'll have to see, especially with this damning evidence. Um, The person who threw it then allegedly said, quote, I was trying to see if I could hit her with the phone at the end of the show because it would be funny. Oh, no. (laughs) Wait, so they're completely self-aware. It wasn't like a fan trying to like, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't like this was not like a Wiimote situation where they didn't put their wrist strap on and it went into the TV, Um, which sorry for that reference. But uh, (laughs) basically... Um, that's for all our diehard Wii fans out there. Anyway, like the point is, is that, uh, yeah, this allegedly this person threw the phone at her face on purpose and thought it was funny. Damn. Allegedly. Um, according to this witness anyway, uh, you, who is this? A 15 year old? No, a 27 year old did this. <laughs> Great. And uh, w- was arranged, w- and he, he was like arranged uh, to go to court, and he was arraigned in Monday, Monday in New York City on misdemeanor charges of harassment and assault. And that 27 year old could face up to a year in prison for this, right? Because it, it's exactly what it is misdemeanor charges of harassment and assault. So, yeah, not good. And then I had it in the story. Um, well, I was going to add it to the story, I would say. Um, also, Kelsey Ballerini, which I read up on, but it's not in here. 
also got hit with a friendship bracelet. Um, I don't know, Joe, are you familiar with like kind of like the Taylor Swift, like everybody make a friendship bracelet before the concert kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, where it's like, it's like the, it, it's like the, you can buy the kits at Joann's or something, right? And like you can just kind of, <laughs> I'm versed in this. Now, nothing's more see. Swifty than Joanne. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, yeah. So like apparently I was reading also Kelsey Ballerini got hit in the face with like a friendship bracelet because her fans also make friendship bracelets for her concerts. Of course. And uh, she she kind of just like, she got like hit in the face with it and then like she kind of walked off. So... Yeah, I, that's kind of the short and sweet. That one is obviously not as juicy as I got a black eye from a phone and uh, my mother's ashes have arrived on stage left. Um, but I, yeah, why is my main question. Um, like, Joe, like, I don't know, man. Could you, like, try to imagine, like, it, uh, part of me almost understands the logic of the phone guy. What? <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. like not being like he should throw that phone. But like what I'm saying is like understands the immaturity of this action that he did, which he totally should be arraigned for. Right. But like, I understand being like, I'm going to be an asshole, but for some reason I can't I, get around. I being don't like, understand that. I, I understand it. I, I'm not complicit with it. Yeah. I'm not like, I just, I don't know. It's like, so I guess it's, I I guess I understand what you're saying where it's like, it's so dumb and, and you expect people to be dumb in that way. And it's like someone actually just kind of let the intrusive thought win and do it. But it is actually probably the best way to say it. Yeah. Like I do think though that it's like, there is a level of like, I literally can't imagine actually doing that. And being like, I'm going to throw my phone full force into someone's face during a show. It's got to be. While I paid. It's got to be there. I paid for their show to assault them. I wonder, I wonder in court if they just have the phone and they're like, is this your phone? And it's like the SpongeBob bit where it's like, is this your wallet? (laughs) No, that's not me. And your name is (laughs) like, that's what I feel like it's going to be like with the phone. So this is not your, you know, like. You're you on the lock screen at all, sir, right? Um, this is not you but, on the lock screen with your uh, manifesto of how you're going to hit baby Rexa. <laughs> baby Rexa in the face. Yeah. No, like, again, I don't condone it, but for some reason, like, it's almost like a human nature thing. I could see it, you know what I mean? And then even the ashes thing, I can see which seems to be a little bit further far-fetched But the for me. cheese wheel is too much. It's out of the question. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I... It, the cheese wheel, for some reason, like is, it's a nice thing to bring someone <laughs> a wheel of cheese. I can't argue with that. But for some reason, like the two other bits, like the two other, like throwing the phone at Baby Rexa and like the Mother's Ashes thing, have a level of insanity to them that feels very human. I just cannot imagine being like. I will bring this cheese to pink. <laughs> like, well, at least I'm in the other ones, I could be like, I'm wondering if they had the cheese. Like, I don't know. Like, did they get the cheese at the festival? And then they like, because I've seen, it wasn't I've Hyde seen Park. Weirder, yeah. I've, it, I've seen weirder, like 
stands that you can buy shit from at festivals, right? Like th- th- some of the stuff you can get. <laughs> a wheel of cheese? I f- I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if you could buy a wheel of cheese. A wheel but, like, of cheese. If the you whole see plan, how big this wheel I understand of what you're saying, though. Like the whole plan of like we're gonna buy tickets to see Pink. I'm gonna bring her this giant wheel of cheese, and it's gonna we're gonna have a moment, and she's gonna love me forever because I brought her this cheese. But it kind of got overshadowed, I feel like, in her mind because literally someone just gave her. Personally, ashes. also, you can't eat it. You can't. You can't. You eat cannot it. eat it. It's, like, it's there's too no way, like, weird. You can't do out it. Out of famous people gifts, obviously, out of our three lists here, um, Mother's Ashes are definitely at the lowest. I, I, I would not want them. Um, number two would be a phone to the face. And then number one would be the cheese wheel because the cheese wheel to me, I'm almost like if I got the cheese wheel, I go, God, it's so tempting. Yeah. But I can't eat it because I don't know what happened to exactly. it. Um, but yeah, like, no, but seriously though, none of this should have happened. Like literally none of this should happen. And it just seems to be getting worse. And, um, I'm trying to figure, uh, honestly, like people have been getting stuff thrown at them forever. I mean, I've talked about it on the show before. Like one of my examples I like to use is that one time George Harrison in a magazine in the sixties say, said, I like jelly beans and fans just came with jelly beans and pelted the Beatles with them <laughs> for like 10 or 15 shows. What are just throwing jelly beans at their faces and it hurt like hell because you know like they're in the back row and they're lob they're like you said mlb pitching this all (laughs) these jelly beans but like i don't know dude i feel like personal theory i don't think anyone's tracking this but it might be getting worse well yeah in terms of like throwing stuff there's been articles on billboard and and variety and in everywhere pretty much talking about or, and specifically TikTok, like people have been talking about the when it comes to concert etiquette and how recently it's been like abysmal, mostly because people, a lot of people are blaming the pandemic and just the lack of like people understanding concert etiquette. I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like, it could be like that could be possibly it, but I don't think the pandemic was like long enough to be like, everybody is shitty now, (laughs) you know? Like, I think this is, like, kind of on the way to come. And I don't, yeah, it is, it's crazy. I think, I think that for a long time, artists were very afraid to, like, call out on fans and, like, and and really call out the shitty behavior because they're afraid, you know, of, like, how that's going to come across. But I don't know. I'm kind of like, I feel like baby Rexus should a hundred percent file charges with this dude. Like they're like, these people need to learn that like, this is, this is assault. And, you know, no matter how famous, no matter how untouchable these people are there at the end of the day, there's still people and they don't necessarily deserve to get hit in the face with a phone. (laughs) You know what I mean? Especially if they're putting on a show for you. I just, like, I pers- I don't know. Like, this is based on very little evidence. But maybe, and I'd love to hear your opinion about it, Joe, is with the age we live in and social media and stuff, do we think that maybe this parasocial relationship has increased and therefore has maybe gave people the validation to be like, Pink would be so charmed to have my mother's ashes up there. Be like, wow, I can't believe her daughter or husband was so committed 
you know, to bring their ashes here for like one last time. You know what I mean? Like that parasocial, like thinking that they know pink is a person, right? Yeah. Because of the social media and in the window into people's lives that we have now. I think there's like a lot of different aspects to it. Um, I think the main one, honestly, that I've noticed is people think it's funny. Like people just think it's like a funny joke that they're in. Like on. this person, the 27 year old. Yeah. Like in even the wheel of cheese, right? Like it's probably a joke. I mean, it could be like a stalker. It feels like a white elephant bit. You yeah, know it's I mean? like, like so random and like people are like, whoa, that's funny because it's random, right? But it is like there, there's a boundary being crossed for sure. That, like and in some cases, literal boundaries like barricades <laughs> being crossed to for these bits. And then like in the situation of of the guy throwing the phone, he thought it would be funny to throw the phone. And that's what he did. Um, I think for the case of the ashes, that could also be a joke element there. Like they'd be like, fuck it. It's so funny. If I bring the ashes of my mom to this pink concert, but I do. Or yeah, they think it's or, so parasocial and yeah. they think it's a touching moment. Exactly. And then it's like, Oh, this is what she would have wanted, you know, or, you know, pink would be like, so in love with this moment. And that is like, it is, I do think you're right, Colin. I think parasocial relationships are getting worse because artists have to give their whole lives pretty much away online and to develop their careers. They have to like sacrifice their privacy. Like for example, I think a good example, honestly, is like Phoebe Bridgers and like Bo Burnham, like that whole situation of like, there were ravenous fans just like, really, really ripping into like very personal details of like what was going on behind each of their lives. Like in like, so can you Paul explain a little bit life? about that for people that don't oh, know man. that? I mean, Bo, <laughs> okay. So Bo Burnham obviously is a very, if you guys don't know, I've mentioned him on the show is a very famous like comedian and also like musician. And then I didn't Phoebe realize Bridgers I was going to get into Farb lore. <laughs> we started, we can get today, into but, it. Yeah. Like literally yeah, Phoebe I mean, Bridgers is a very well-known musician. Yeah. And so like they were kind of seen being together at different shows and stuff. Well, like that. and then so there people was started speculating. People were speculating because there was a lot of crossover specifically between each of their other relationships. Right. That like people were speculating that they were cheating on their other SOs with each other. And it was a big deal. And, you know, ultimately nobody knows what happens. Nobody's in their relationship except them. And, but that's the thing that like, because Phoebe's fans and Bo Burnham's fans are so engaged and ravenous in some regards, it's also like they feel like they're doing a service to other people by like stalking their lives and like g g diving deeper into it and like, sharing information and it's it's a bit of stalkerness like because if you really if you kind of like take a step back and you're like okay this is a celebrity this is happening to a celebrity that like you know all this shit is coming out on demois and like people are looking at this stuff and people are passing along this information and in some cases people close to them are passing along this information what what's even crazier is like imagine like a stalker doing that to someone who isn't famous, like doing right. the same thing. 
and it the tone shifts <laughs> a lot, right? It's like, oh, well, that's different because they're a normal person. And because of that statement, it's like people think celebrities aren't people, right? They're an object and they're becoming objectified by their fandom. And so that that's where it's like, it gets a lot, it gets tricky because even from an artist's perspective, you have, you kind of know that you want to be, like you kind of want to be objectified in order to get more along in your career. But then, and it's weird because you like almost have to like embrace the crazy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Embrace the, because like we've talked a lot on this show is like it, people love like the, the people, let, let's be honest, who could throw stuff most of the time if you're not at a festival are paying the most money to be there. Yeah. Right. Because the closer the stage you are, whatever. And so it's this weird relationship where like, and Joe, you've, we've said it multiple times. We, and we call it this from the video game term, but whales, like people who are willing to buy everything of all the merchandise, all the CDs, all these people. VIP So you don't want to like, it's weird because from an artist's perspective, it's like you want to embrace the crazy. You want to embrace people to be whales, mm-hmm. to be like super fans and stuff like that I, and give them the ability to do that. But I feel like in the same way, it's amazing to me when you, this culture we have for it also enables the normalization of these kind of actions. Thankfully, it seems that it's not entirely, you know, everyone's not like, oh yeah, we should have the right to throw a phone at baby Rexo, right? But like like you're saying, in the terms of stalking these people, following them everywhere, all this kind of stuff, we do normalize that ex- implicitly. And then like, it's almost monetarily encouraged from the artist's perspective to go, yeah, enable the crazy. What if that hug was really weird that you got on the meet and greet? Whatever, that person will be at the next show and they're going to spend $4,000 because they're a whale mm-hmm. right uh, just deal with it you know what i mean and uh that that's honestly what i think about when all this stuff goes happen is like do we enable that too much right i think like do we enable i think it comes from Sorry. every aspect no no i mean you're right i think like i think as fans we enable it i think as there's a, there's a lot of honestly music industry professionals who enable it because at the end of the day it makes them more money um that's not every to say like everyone in the music industry does that. There are still people who value boundaries and like who who do their best to keep those boundaries in place for their clients and artists. But it is it it's increasingly difficult where it's like you're dealing with Silicon Valley companies that are basically they have like the finger on your they they have their hands around the throat of your career, right? And it's like you right. have to play ball or else you're screwed. And there's, I mean, Colin, you probably remember talking to some artist friends and stuff back when like social media was like very much like grandfathered in, right? Like Instagram was like the thing to be on. Like it, right. like your image was everything. And like people were even struggling then like to post, to like do stuff because of that reason of like, I just feel like a product rather than a person. And mm-hmm. it's even worse now <laughs> because now you're on, you have to be on TV 24 seven. Well, the thing, the thing I wanted to bring up too, and this is a real story I'll bring up, but I mean, to be honest, you'd be amazed what comes back in a touring package of like audio gear that we get. And they'll, they'll, you know, the readies will go, 
this is kind of crazy. This is insane. And they'll bring back things. They'll go, oh, yeah, this fan gave us this or something, right? And I have a real-life story like that, and I can think of stuff like I, I remember we got, like, we one of our clients, there was a beautiful, like, hand-drawn like photo of both the artists and stuff like that, and it had, like, this long manifesto note with it you know Mm -hmm. talking about like how they should totally meet and all this kind of stuff and like the roadies just were like oh that's kind of funny and just kept it but like if you read into the note you're like oh my god but here's my example of it um before i started working at the place i do now um i basically i worked at this place called wild horse saloon um on second avenue in nashville and this is a real story. We, we used to have um, a lot of like, you know, performers come through all the time. And we had this girl who's like 16 years old and she would perform on stage and um, she was really good at violin and like, she was a really good player, all this kind of stuff. I get a call cause I was mixing that day. Um, I had a call like from front of house and f- like from like the restaurant front of house and the restaurant front of house goes, Hey, there's some guy here. He's asking about, you know, like he knows the band. He wants to go backstage or whatever. And I go, okay, whatever. I'll go down there and look. And, um, I go down there and it's this guy who's absolutely like out of it. He starts talking and he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to make up a name for the girl. Like he goes, I've known Kim for a long time. I've been following her from all this stuff. I really like her as a talent. And I've been telling her about this chili I've been making. And he proceeds to hand me a mason jar of chili. Um, And he goes, I've been telling her about this chili I wanted to make for her for a long time. I have it right here. This is the mason jar. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, give it to her, tell her all about her or whatever. And I was like, yeah, um, She's like immediately I recognize the the severity of the situation. I go, yeah, you know what? How about you stay here? And um, I think she's really busy. I don't even know if she's here, but like when she comes back eventually, you know, I will give her the jar and um, we'll, you know, I'll tell her her whole story and everything. And like, I had to talk to him for literally for maybe like 15, 20 minutes just to deescalate the situation. He was so passionate about everything. I remember he commented cause I was wearing a door shirt and we talked about the doors for like five minutes mm-hmm. and it was just deescalation, deescalation, deescalation. I go, I finally get him to leave and I go, I don't, you know, I don't know all this kind of stuff. I don't think she'll, you know, be back around here or whatever. And I knew she was playing later. So I was just kind of lying just to get him away. And, um, I take the chili and I'm headed backstage and I immediately throw the fucking thing away. Like immediately, <laughs> you know, cause I don't, I don't know what's in yeah, it. I'm not giving not it to the mystery girl. and Mason jar chili. <laughs> right. Yeah. Literally. And I go to her manager that's back there and I go, Hey man, do you know about this guy? He just talked to me and I explained this whole story and he goes, I know who that person is. And I go, okay. And I was like, are you guys like, okay, do you need help or anything? And he goes, well, and he's like, we've dealt with him before. And I was like, did he go away? And I was like, yeah, he did. And I was like, okay. And I kind of told security at the time. It's like, don't, if there's some like weird guy that you saw me talking to, don't let him in the building. Yeah. But like, that's the level of severity I'm talking about. And like, until you like really see it, it's kind of, it doesn't feel real. It feels like this kind of thing that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you know, that level of fandom. And then you really see it. And it just really is like, I don't, you know, the, there's no better word. It's just kind of upsetting. 
You know what I mean? Like it, it's it, like you said, it's very much objectification and entitlement to be like, they deserve this from me. Yeah. Right? Or it's more of like, I want this reaction from them. I want this, this moment from them. They, I'm entitled to this moment because I love their music. And it's like, no, dude, <laughs> they don't. Right. Here's the thing. It's like, and like it, it matters so much. Like, I think w- what puts it in the best perspective, I, I don't remember what piece of media I was listening to, but someone was saying like in the celebrity situation, like the power dynamic, the, the celebrity is everything to the person. And the person is nothing to the celebrity. That's a good thing. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, like, like I was saying, if you took that situation I just explained to you out of any context, a older man is trying to give a 16 year old, a, you know, unmarked thing of chili for some reason because he likes her so much. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then we just normalize that because it's like, Oh, it's music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. God, I, I think like, and that's honestly part of the thing with the industry, I think like there was a long stream of like situations kind of like that, that like most industry professionals even have a hard time showing that they're music fans. I think because they are afraid of being like put into that level. Right. They're, they're, they're afraid of like people being like, Oh, they're the crazy fan that like managed to get into the industry and like wants to work with these people. And it it's kind of it just ruins it for everybody, man. <laughs> like, just be a human being. Just treat people with respect. You know, treat strangers like they're strangers. Like, be respectful, but don't be creepy. You know. Yeah, man. I don't. You know, it's 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 one of the things we got to look out for, and it seems like there's not really a clear you know, way other than enhanced security. And I literally was thinking about that when I was reading the show. I was like, what? Maybe VIPs got to go through two sets of security, you know, if they're sitting down in the front row, if they're in throwable range, Mm -hmm. you know, but then you risk upsetting the people who are paying the most money possible. Um, So I I don't know. It's a difficult answer. It's definitely one that's going to get more difficult. This, you know, social media is already so present in our lives and becomes even more present. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink 
That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Speaking of social media, um, there was a viral video of uh, pop star Louis Capaldi that you guys might have seen on TikTok Reels, wherever you get your vertical content nowadays. Um, but Louis Capaldi was filmed um, during his set at Glastonbury, um, where he couldn't complete his massive song, Someone You Loved, on stage due to a Tourette's tick attack. Um, which Capaldi has been very vocal in the past of like 
dealing with Tourette's and dealing with anxiety and dealing honestly with like a lot of tour exhaustion. Um, but he put a statement out after that video came out and uh, he finished his set. He said, quote, hello, everyone. First of all, thank you to Glastonbury for having me, for singing along when I needed it, and for all the amazing messages afterwards. It really does mean the world. In fact, this probably won't come as a surprise. Doesn't make it any easier to write, but I'm very sorry to let you know that I will am going to be taking a break from touring for the foreseeable future. I used to be able to enjoy every second of shows like this, and I hope that three weeks away would have sorted me out. But the truth is I'm still learning to adjust to the impact of my Tourette's. And on Saturday, it became obvious that I need to spend much more time getting my mental and physical health in order so that I can keep doing everything I love for a long time to come. I know I'm incredibly fortunate to be able to take some time out when others can't, and I'd like to thank my amazing family, friends, team, medical professionals, and all of you who've been so supportive every step of the way through the good times and even more so during this past year when I needed it more than ever. I'm so incredibly sorry to everyone who had planned to come to a show before the end of the year, but I need to feel well to perform at the standard you all deserve. Playing uh, playing every night is all I ever dreamed of. So this has been the most difficult decision of my life. I'll be back as soon as I possibly can. Heart, all my love, always Lewis X. Um, and as Variety points out, Capaldi has been open about his struggles with mental health and Tourette's syndrome, um, which he actually was officially diagnosed one year ago in 2022. Only one year. Has he been like able to like really deal with this at like a medical capacity? Um, and he also just had his massive Netflix documentary come out, How I'm Feeling Now, uh, which documented his journey after being diagnosed, um, as well as his like rise to fame, which happened around the same time. So as you can see, it's like very chaotic. Um, for him, and I feel like anybody put in that position would have a really, really hard time, especially, you know, even if they were at like a more healthy spot, I feel like people would have such a hard time dealing with the pressure. Um, but Colin, have you, have you seen anything about this? Like, do you know about this stuff? Um, I heard that I did not know it was due to his, um, you know, struggles with Tourette's, but I did hear about him, you know, kind of, uh, taking a foreseeable future hiatus from touring. I, uh, definitely think that it's, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to really deal with, but I think it's a very adult and appropriate response to the way he said it. It's, I don't think I can perform at the standard that you, you guys deserve Yeah. at the end of the day currently. And I think it was important to note that this is something that he struggles with in a health concern and that like this is a two-way streak when it got you know you we need the fans to be there to support and we also need the artists to be wanting to be there and i think a lot of people forget about the artist part of it and they just think oh well we got to get fifty thousand fans in it right and mm -hmm. it's like well you also have to get one person that's willing to perform at a professional level and can right and clearly you know uh capaldi here is saying that like combination probably mentally and physically that he cannot. So I think it is appropriate for him to give this response. 
Um, I definitely think that specifically his career has been very interesting just because it feels very early still in his career. I mean, I believe like I'm, I'm looking at it now, he's the same age as you and I in 20 in 26 mm-hmm. and he kind of blew up first in 2019, 2018. But like it, it felt Capaldi kind of feels like a lot like how the he's, he feels very much like a UK artist in the way that like, I think he, he's a big force in the UK and still coming through the United States. But like, I feel like, he was still breaking through, you know, the UK and coming to the United States and becoming more of a world power, you know, with everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think that for a lot of people that's upsetting, right? Because it feels like, well, you know, you don't get the shot all the time. Um, it doesn't come around every day. And so why would you kind of throw that away if you just feel you're not doing maybe your best, but that's kind of the point of it. Right. I think that, Capaldi, you know, is is doing a smart thing here in taking a step back from the hypothetical lows that maybe he would face by forcing himself to go out there and perform. Because mm-hmm. in this day and age, sadly, we cannot, you can't pull, a, you know, a Beatles or a Brian Wilson or, you know, all that. You can't just be like, I'm not going to tour ever again. It's just a requirement and um, to be a successful artist. So I think that for Capaldi, it would be good to take this time, reflect while going out kind of at his current top right now. And that will enable him to hopefully potentially slide back into where he was and even go to greater heights. What will not enable him to do that is that if he has a lot of negative, you know, press and negative experiences due to things that are controllable by him when it comes to taking time and, you know, actually trying to hopefully, uh, you know, deal with this new uh, part of his life. Right. I do. I I think I I would say like, it seems like a lot of the, I I feel like in, we've covered this before of like artists taking a step back and like canceling shows for mental health for whatever other reason. In one case, uh, what was that show that was canceled because he wanted to see a football game or something? Uh, oh, are you talking about, uh, is that, I, I feel like that's Eric church, but I'm not I think sure. it was Eric church. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, or something. I don't know we could be wrong, but, uh, basketball. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say like when he was having this, uh, tick attack, his fans sung the song for him during the set. And it was actually a very beautiful moment. And I think like, I think a lot of people, I think he his fandom is very supportive of his decision here. And I think a lot of it, honestly, because of the documentary, because of his outspokenness with his Tourette's and being transparent, which in some for some people might be too transparent in it for them, but for him, I think has worked out in a very, very great way to where he can be like, hey, this is something I've been dealing with and I've been talking about the fact that I, I've been dealing with it. Um, so I'm going to step away for a little bit and get better. And I think like, because it's not so sudden, uh, fans are able to kind of grip with that reality more than like, you know, if, uh, you know, Dua Lipa just kind of dropped that on people after like one show and then it was like, Oh, I'm out. And then it would have been like a swarm of attention. Right. And like, 
right. a lot of negative attention in, in most cases. But he, he definitely, you know, took a very brave step in admitting to the public this thing that he's struggling with and will struggle with. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that has prepared his audience in the greater world to be prepared for a situation like this. Like you're saying, it's not like he was, you know, in the dark about this and the issues he's had around it. Right. Like he immediately from the beginning of his diagnosis. And then also like you're saying, made a film describing, you know, the perils of this that have caused on his life and his career. So he, I think he's emotionally prepared and also just given enough time to his audience to go, this could be a thing, you know what I mean? This could be a reality. Mm-hmm. And the, what, what's kind of amazing in that is it's not like, you know, a lot of people would say, Oh, well, he could have just dealt with it or whatever. And then people would obviously find out cause they're interested in Lewis Capaldi. And I'm like, yeah, but he did something that a lot of people won't do, which is, um, he really took charge of his own narrative in that f- way. He took charge and said, Hey, I'm going to tell my story about it instead of just, you know, it going through the press circles and being like, do you know that Lewis Capaldi struggles with Tourette's? He was like, no, let me put it in the way that I experience it. And I feel it with the documentary, with telling my friends, with, being you know open about it and he took charge of that and that's something that's very difficult to do and very you know open-hearted and just vulnerable to do you know what i mean like that that's the end of the day is that he he had to take that struggle that he was having and just literally let people rip him apart for it you know in the public that are just going to be mean and he did it and i think it's prepared him to be able to hopefully step back into live performance because mm-hmm. like I said, I just it, it's sad in this day and age. We're, we're not at the point yet just because of how recorded music works that you could pull, you know, like a sixties or seventies band and just be like, nah, I'm not going to tour anymore. And only the really big bands could do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think that it's sadly a requirement of today's age. So it's definitely one that's going to impact him immediately. It's going to impact, you know, him, his loved ones, his family, and all this kind of stuff. It's going to impact his psyche when it comes to, you know, what he's doing as an artist, because that's not going away. You know what I mean? He's an artist here now and forever, regardless of what's going on. And so I, I think that thankfully he's created a nice, you know, if he was on the incline, instead of causing a dip, he's created a platform that may be slowly descending as time goes on. And maybe he's not like in the forefront as much if he doesn't tour as much. Right. But he's created a platform that can be a springboard for him to bounce off of, as opposed to immediately being in decline with, you know, trying to keep this all in the dark. Yeah. And so I, you know, I applaud him for that, to be honest. Like, I I think it's very, I think it's very brave of him because there's a lot of people that would try to keep, that would say, this is too personal. This is just too myself, which is their right to do. But I think in the end, this was the, the smarter move. And the, honestly, the more brave move to do because of the vulnerability it requires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's a job too, that isn't worth killing yourself over. And I think that, you know, maybe some people would argue against that of like, Oh, the best artists are like the, most tormented ones, but it's like, I, I truly don't think that that's true. I, I think that the best artists are the ones who like creating. And if you are in increasingly more and more situations of where you're just sitting there being like, I don't like to create. And I feel like I'm forced to create. 
mm-hmm. then the work is worse in my opinion. Um, and oh, I, I feel like it's just even, even from like a fan perspective, it's like, I would feel bad listening to a record that an artist was forced to make at, at in like a certain time frame, right? Where it's like, you want them to be like truthful and be themselves and be authentic. Right. And if you want to get real capitalistic with it at the same time, like if let's say the label or somebody was like, Hey, I'm going to force this. You know what I mean? Like you need to make a new record or something. I think I'm pretty sure he signed probably like EMI or something like that. Right. And so, um, like it would say he was on, a, you know, the label and stuff like that. And they're like, we're going to force you to do this. Like this just in a capitalistic sense, like take away like the humanity of it. This just kind of gives him more ammo to be like, no. And like, you guys publicly know what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. My fans know what it is. You guys will be the biggest demons in the world. If you guys try to force me to do something, I'm not comfortable here. Right. Because I've clearly shown through, you know, how I've talked about it and a whole documentary how much this hurts my you know ability to create and my quality to create so i think he's created a a, you know any at the end of the day it's going to adversely affect him immediately right Mm -hmm. like it's going to but he's created probably the best possible way to have a step back from touring you know what i mean in a situation that is beyond his control. I think people are really going to come back. Like I, I even in like, if we're looking at the capitalistic angle of this as well, of like demand, I think the demand for seeing him live is going to skyrocket even more after this, because I think people are very aware of the fact that touring is very hard for him and it, it might not come as often as some other artists and so it's like it's very special to see him if you're able to do that and so like i think the demand of 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 his live section of his music career is gonna is gonna increase and i i would argue a lot (laughs) right and i i um you know, I wish the best for him in the end of the day because, like, like I said, I cannot understate the immediate consequences this will yeah. have, right? Well, I mean... And, like, there is, there is, you know, a factor where if you step away from this kind of stuff that it, you know, may not ever come back the exact same way just because of the way that time changes and taste change. But mm-hmm. it's one of those things that at least now he's created steps to enable himself to do it in a healthy way as well as in a way that feels natural, I feel like, to fans. Yeah. I I will say, like, you can watch. There's tons of interviews that he has out on YouTube, wherever, where he talks about his struggles with it. And it's, uh, honestly, as his struggles directly with touring as well. And it's pretty heartbreaking, like, what he has kind of pushed himself through um, because there's still so much that he has to work through. And be like with, you know, any, anything in the music industry and it's kind of, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum at this point, but like a lot of people in the music industry, ourselves included, uh, tend to value our work over our own health. And that is not conducive to a, a healthy lifestyle 
in general. I, I mean, it's that, and they see... I, I think the other thing is more of a lot of people, and especially artists, because at the end of the day, it feels like you are creating this thing that is almost like an essence of you. People associate their work as their as them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what you do as yourself. There's no boundary. Right? You have your sense of being. Yeah. Right? Like, and so uh, that, that's just dangerous. So, like, that's why I think in this situation like this, it is compellingly vulnerable and, you know, heartbreaking for him because it, it's almost, I don't want to say every artist has it, but almost every artist I know has that thing where they see their work. Nobody's like, you know, a lot of people struggle with this just in daily life, right? Like if you're, a, you know, a florist or somebody who does anything creative, right? Like, or a baker or something that creates, but something innately about music is so personal that people associate their personal well-being with it and their personal self with it, that it's so hard to separate. So I'm sure for Capaldi, it's even hard to step away from that because they're thinking they're losing part of them or they're like betraying part of them. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 you know, is the most vulnerable part of this whole thing. Um, in my opinion. Other than you know, opening up about obviously his struggles with his disease, is that like he, as an artist, is probably losing a part of him and itself worth of himself. Again, speculating, but just how I feel like you know I would feel or something like that, or other artists based on who I've talked to would feel, is that they're just losing a part of their self worth a little bit. But I think, like I said, I think he's created a wonderful springboard for himself. I think he's created an atmosphere and an environment and fandom that will appreciate that he's taking this time and understand why he's taking this time. And, you know, hopefully um, for him, he is rewarded in this. But sadly, you know, there there's sometimes just taste change, time goes on, and people try to come back, and it just doesn't happen as well, mm-hmm. you know? But even for someone who's struggling with a you know, diseases and stuff like this, like him, like just the ability to come back healthy is worth everything and is priceless compared to a, you know, a higher level fandom. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. 
Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink that's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Our favorite time of the day. Colin, what have you been listening to? Um, I've been listening to, uh, I, I've been listening actually to a lot of Isley Brothers lately, um, which if you've ever listened to like any 90, I guarantee you probably, mo I, I would say a majority of a lot of rap music, especially from the early nineties and eighties is samples of the Isley Brothers, which is kind of insane. Like all Dr. Drake stuff is, or all Dr. Drake stuff is Isley Brothers, like mm -hmm. all of it. Um, it's crazy the amount of samples that are in it. Like, but if you want to give an example, um, uh, there's an album I really like. It's called Go For Your Guns. Um, and uh, it's so good. If you listen to the song Footsteps in the Dark, you'll immediately know what it is because it's the uh, just waking up 
in the morning, gotta thank God, Ice Cube. You know, like it's that sample, and it's really interesting to hear the full song now. And that's kind of what drew, drove me to it. But like the band itself is great. I actually, one of the guys that I worked with at work used to mix the Isley Brothers in the seventies, and I was talking about him, talking with him about it, and he was like, "Dude, they were the nicest people." And like it to the crew. And he was basically like, nobody knew how good they were. It was insane. They were just insanely undervalued. So yeah, go listen to go for your guns by the Isley brothers. My personal favorite is living in the life, which I think is a really fun, like straight to the point song, which is about like, it literally, he goes, people think I'm living in the life. People think I have such a great life. And he goes, you don't know what I deal with and I don't know you. So stop assuming, which is kind of great. Cause that's kind of been the whole episode of, you know, kind of the whole moral of the episode this week. Um, so yeah. Uh, Joe, what have you been listening to? I have been still in a music rut a bit, which is kind of disappointing, but luckily kind of slowly getting out of it. Um, Charlie Adams came out with a single today cry over everything. You should definitely check it out. It is, uh, so, so good. Um, I've been listening a lot also to Nick Lang. Uh, he has a song called Two Birds that I really enjoy. He's got like, he's kind of like, you can definitely tell he's like a Beatles fan, just like with his weird structure of songwriting, but also he's very like florally, if that makes sense, like with the way he describes. Florally. Yeah, I, I don't know, like more storytelling, right? Of like, it's very like textural and like, you can like feel the song kind of like the way he's like describing stuff. Um, and it's really cool. Like his production is top notch, uh, such, such a good, um, honestly, discography. Uh, I listened to Starfucker yesterday. Um, and I haven't listened to them in a minute, but like, if you ever get the chance, say, that was one of your old favorites. Yeah. I mean, like if you ever get a chance to like see Starfucker live they're they're so amazing, like beyond insane live such such good performers um and then i've also been kind of like listening to pine grove because like i i never got in the hype of pine grove you're doing the pine grove shuffle yeah i mean that song slaps i'm not gonna lie that song's really really good um but is that called two or something it's called uh need two that's what it is yeah and like it's it's most likely going to be their like biggest song i mean it's like their biggest song it right got now really is called big Old Friends. Um, but yeah, it's like an older, it, what's crazy is like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like an older song, but they're re-releasing it. And like, they kind of, they kind of saw the hype and they re-released it. And I think it like pushed it to people's um, feeds more. Yeah. If you're interested in what we're talking about, um, just look up Pine Grove Shuffle on uh tiktok so good. and that's kind of what the thing that spurred everything yeah it's just this kid who's doing this like this heavy backbeat song need like need to it's just so funny to watch them do the pine grove shuffle and basically he just goes imagine if we like he doesn't say this but people in the comments are like imagine like a hundred people at a concert trying to do this at once it would be so funny <laughs> And it's just this like heavy step forward dance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, some of the guys at work love doing it. It's really funny. And so I, I actually found a video too, if you find it. And it's uh, this guy who's also performing at the song and doing the Pine Grove shuffle at the same time. Hell yeah. Like he's hitting the kick and the bass drum with the shuffle beats and it kills me every time. So sick. But yeah, that, uh, that about does it. <laughs> 
that, that about does that it. Huh? Just well, does thank it. you for. Yeah, you sound like you're just entering like a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, that about in does middle it. Middle school. Um, that, that about does yeah. it. Um, that was uh, Algeria, everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, dude, it's kind of wild to think about that now. Like PowerPoint presentations <laughs> when you were a child, like you would just be like, and. Um, yeah, remember when that we was sat the for conquest hours? of Spain? Yeah, we just sat and watched very poorly made PowerPoints our whole lives. Dude, uh god, so like some many bad some of the some of the PowerPoints were rough, man. Like I just remember like certain teachers just not having a grip on it. <laughs> but luckily we do. Yeah, the and then, you know, okay. Remember, guys, you know what? If you're looking for a good friend in your life, here's a good metric for it. Speaking of PowerPoints, you need someone that you would trust to change the slides on PowerPoint for you when you give a presentation. It's very true. Very true. That's the level that's of friendship. That's the person that's going to be that today. That's the person that's going to be with you. They're, they're the ride or die, truly. Right. Go out. If you've not found that person, go find that person. You got to. Guys, thanks for listening to the Biz Tape. You're all things music, business, and media podcast. We sure appreciate you guys out there, and we hope you find your PowerPoint person. Like we're saying, that person that's just gonna keep clicking along. If you want to keep clicking along with us, though, at the Biz Tape, pretty much everywhere—Twitter, Instagram, wherever you get content—we're putting new content up there. As well as the best way to support the show currently is rating the show, good, bad, whatever. You know, we take constructive criticism well here. Anyway want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart and as always we hope to see you next time welcome to 500 greatest songs a podcast based on rolling stones hugely popular influential and sometimes controversial list i'm Brittany spanos and i'm rob sheffield we're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great from classics like fleetwood max dreams to the ronettes be my baby and modern day classics like the killer's mr brightside listen to rolling stones 500 greatest songs on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.